0: To me, the value of this isn't necessarily getting wealthy.
1: It's like being part of the party. Exactly. So, you know, hey, we're still on the tip of the spear. Like you said, part of something, part of a community, part of a movement. And, you know, for once, I don't feel like I'm showing up 10 years late to the party, you know, with a a six pack of wine coolers. Bogdan, Brian, and their guests are not registered investment advisors. Nothing discussed today should be relied on for investment decisions, nor is it investment advice. This show is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Please work directly with an investment professional.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Crypto Safari Podcast, where we hide in our crypto caves Digging in the DeFi dirt, scooping up and grabbing those delightful gains others have left behind. My name is Bogdan, and as always here, I have Brian with me. How's it going, Bry? Going good, Bogdan. How are you doing? I am doing excellent. It's been an exciting week of crypto after the entire
1: FTX debacle. Oh A goodness. lot
0: of uh, new revelations have come out.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's like an onion. The more you peel it, the more it stinks. Yeah, the more you cry, and you know, you talked about the cave, and we're in a, we're in a dark cave in, in in the crypto market right now. I mean, it's been pretty abysmal in terms of prices. I mean, if you look, most projects are down 70, 80 percent over the year, and then you have something like this happen, and you know, it's not good, not good for the uh, for the community. It's not good look for regulators. It's not a good. I don't know. It, it's it's a tough time to be in this, but this is the time when you have to weather it. You tuck your pants into your socks. You know, you grit your teeth. You eat a little more protein for breakfast, and you just hold on tight, you know? Yeah, I I agree. I call this opportunity Palooza. I would agree. I mean, look at Solana. Geez, it's on firehouse sale.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Solana. I hope that it doesn't go bankrupt. I hope that it doesn't get that far on sale where, you know, it it fails. Um, because right now for context, uh, people listening to this Solana right now is at about $11, uh, per soul. When I bought into Solana, it was at $30. And I thought I was like a genius because I was so early and then it had gone up to $260 and I thought I was a millionaire and I was like, oh my God, I'll never have to work in there a day in my life. And I didn't sell any of my Solana. It went down. I am just as poor if not
1: poor than when I began this journey. So, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, man, that's, that's the story of the investment life, the investor's life. Um, well, speaking of Solana, you, you mentioned it going bankrupt and there's actually an article um, that I was reading and they were talking about, you know, how hard Solana has been hit by the FTX debacle. And, you know, now there's like, I mean, it dropped 70% in November but uh, Solana Lab CEO says their company maintains enough reserves to contain its current burn rate for approximately 30 months. Yeah, that I read that story, too. I actually read quite
0: a bit about Solana because obviously I'm very invested in Solana, very bullish in Solana. And I was reading all sorts of stories. I read both pros and cons. So what, some of the cons in Solana is that other cryptocurrencies are kind of catching up in terms oh, of, yeah. you know all of the technology there. But on the positive side, Solana does have a lot of venture-backed investors. They have a lot of reserves, so they might be able to weather the storm and get through it. They also have uh, two, I I believe in the next two years, they're doing quite a few upgrades to make it much more stable, like we talked in that one previous episode.
1: So, Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We, We could have said the same thing about FTX four weeks yeah. ago, <laughs> you know what I mean? A lot of investors, a lot of reserves, but I, I'm not comparing um, Solana to FTX by any means. I'm just saying that, I mean, like, who knows? I think it's worth a bet. I think it's worth putting some money in. I mean, it's, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I bought some this week. Let's just put it that way. Lovely. Thank thank you put for revealing
0: your bags to us, Brian. Um, I'm still all waiting. I'll a reveal bit all back. my baggage. Yeah, I'm going to actually wait until I see Solana uh, making like a little upward trend before I dive into it. it. It's still like a great deal right now. I'm
1: just I'm just waiting. Maybe it'll become an even better deal. It's uh, in the top was, five gainers on CoinMarketCap. It's up 15%. Well, excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I'm, I'm making money already. <laughs> excellent. As you should remember our new policy, Brian. Always, always make, make money. money. Yes. Yes. That's our new policy. New policy. It used to be never lose money. Now it's always make money. And uh, that stems from, uh, you know, missed opportunities when you should take profits. And uh, we're all, we've all been guilty of that, where you sit back and you see it uh, some big bumps and you, you think, oh, I'm going to let it ride. It's just going to go up. But please, everybody out there, take some profits along the way. Nothing wrong with it. No one's going to think less of you. Yeah. Hashtag yeah. Dogecoin. Hashtag Shiba Inu. Hashtag Solana. For well, me. <laughs> I took profits on Shiba Inu. I'm not. Uh, I was ahead of the curve on that one. I there. bought. I, I sold at the peak. There you go. You yeah. you were
0: you were smart about that. I'm I'm gonna try to train myself to do that a little bit better. Um, other stories in the news. So mm-hmm. some developments with FTX. Oh, yeah. uh, apparently, it has been found that Alameda Reserve, which is a part of Alameda Research. Uh, was actually buying tokens, tokens as in like Solana, Ethereum, right? All of these different tokens uh, on FTX before FTX publicly announced them or listed them. Insider trading to boot? Yes. Insider trading. So basically Alameda Reserve held $60 million worth of 18 different tokens between the start of 2021 and March of this year, before they were listed on FTX. So they basically got those tokens ahead of time, knowing that FTX is going to list them uh-huh. because Sam Bankman-Fried operates both companies. And they basically buy them before they're listed, they get listed, everyone else has an opportunity to buy
1: them then, and they
0: sell for
1: profits. Yeah. So so people out there, unless you in the case you don't know, a lot of um price spikes and catalysts behind those price spikes are rumors of the of tokens or projects being listed on major exchanges yeah so for example um, what was it it was i think shiba inu had some huge spikes when people thought it was going to be on robinhood which turned out to be a rumor but for any token like it it means you've arrived and you you more millions of people have access to purchasing it so the price usually goes up um, when that happens, but a lot of times people will do something called um, buy the rumor, sell the news. And so, if there's a rumor that uh, the you know uh, token is going to be listed, and then, then maybe it doesn't, you try to sell before that happens. So anyway, it, it's it happens. But if you someone else is telling you that information, and it's you know insider information, that's basically a crime in the in financial in the investment world. I'm not sure if crypto doesn't really have that. I believe in the united states it does
0: so the reason that ftx has two different uh exchanges it has ftx which serves the entire world mm-hmm. and ftx us so i believe the ftx us branch has a lot more regulations despite being crypto mm-hmm. and so hopefully they can use something like this to really crack down on sam bankman fried and his little posse that essentially committed fraud to a lot of well,
1: people, well, I mean, not essentially they did. I, I think it's it's just remarkable uh, just how many counts of fraud that they they uh, conducted. I mean, pretty much anything you're not supposed to do um, in their position, they did.
0: Yeah, they and did. apparently,
1: Sam Bankman-Fried is in Argentina.
0: He's you know, I thought out. he was under surveillance in the Bahamas. No, no,
1: he escaped from the Bahamas. He is out to Argentina. Oh wow! And I don't know what their extradition policy is there. I heard his girlfriend—I forget her name—is trying to go to Dubai, where they don't have extradition. I don't know if that's going to save them. Um, it's yeah, we'll see what happens. But I—I I think that eventually they're going to be brought to justice. Um, and you know, speaking of FTX, uh, I shared that video with you, and I just wanted to share with the viewers uh, some of the seven. Unbelievable bankruptcy discoveries that have come out lately about FTX. And we'll go through these really quick. And this is not um, my list. I got this from Cold Fusion, a great YouTube channel. Check it out. They have really great content. So, uh, anyway, so they're, they're in the middle of this bankruptcy uh, proceedings, and it's headed up by this guy named, who's a new CEO of FTX named John Ray III. Um, and he's actually uh, oversaw the Enron bankruptcy. So, he knows a little bit about this process. And so, these are the, like the top highlights of what he found. Um, so first, um uh, FTX employees submitted payment requests through online chats and were responded by managers with uh, uh, approval emojis. Mm. So that was their that was their process for uh, requesting payments. You get an emoji thumbs up. that means you're good, I guess. <laughs> um, also, Alameda Research gave Sam a one billion dollars personal loan. Thank you very much. Oh, that's a nice. that what were the terms of that loan? It was probably very pleasant, very loose, and yeah. very, very <laughs> cozy. Um, also a very few records were kept at the company. Most communication happened on a chat, um, a chat app that deleted the, uh, the chats shortly afterwards. So maybe like a Snapchat or something. And does that, does that imply that they knew they were doing shady stuff? I think absolutely it did because Sam encouraged employees to use this app. Why else would you not want a record of what you're saying and doing? Yeah. Okay. Um, also they never had a board meeting, a $32 billion company never had a board meeting.
0: I mean, yeah,
1: I'm I'm less surprised by that. Less surprising, but still it's a big deal for a company that size. Um, Also, management had no idea how much cash was on hand at any any given time or where the cash was located. Yep. Yeah. Um, They didn't keep proper employment records. No one really knows who worked there. (laughs) <laughs> That's
0: kind of weird. Yeah,
1: They're still trying to find out who worked there. It
0: was crazy. We we should have just walked into the offices and been like, they're like, hey, how's it going? It's like, oh, doing good. How are yeah, you, Jim? I'm your can new you, boss. Um, can you approve this TPS report uh, to yeah. transfer $5 million to me?
1: That's how the, yeah, the company sure. was operated. Thumbs up emoji. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, also, homes were purchased using company funds for employees that were eventually put in their names. And there was no documentation of these loans. Wow! They're basically just taking money from the company, buying houses for themselves and putting it in their own names. Not like, oh, this is FTX uh, summer home in in Aspen or winter home, I guess. Um, But yeah, they're buying homes for themselves and not even like being secretive about it. Yeah, that's crazy. What I don't
0: understand is how the people who invested, the investors in FTX who are, you know, these big, venture capitalist firms aren't doing audits or checking in, you know, like looking at the books, like they just give them
1: money and then just walk away and go bring us back more money. I don't know what the terms are for something like that, but uh, apparently when you, you know, you say you're worth $32 billion and people just, I guess, just (laughs) take your word for it. I mean, I know we talked about that as a class action lawsuit, um, but you know, they're in, they, I think they are in debt to like 30 creditors for $3.2 billion. And that's just the creditors, not the people's funds that were lost. Yeah, People who loaned them money, people who gave them money, $3 billion, like 30 people. And so they're all lined up to get this money too. So they're going to be first at the table when it comes time to go through the assets, if they can find them. It's a mess over there. But the good news is, is crypto leaves a trail. No No matter what you do with it, there's going to be a trail. They're going to find out where this money is. Eventually, this is going to take some time. Yeah. Yeah. Something
0: that, uh, is that all seven? That's all seven. Yeah. All seven. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cold, those cold fusion videos are are really excellent. I recommend them if anyone hasn't watched the cold fusion YouTube channel, they explain stuff really, really well.
1: Yeah. The short um, 15, 20 minutes, but just a lot of good stuff. A lot of good topics.
0: Yeah. yeah. A uh, positive change that the FTX debacle has led to actually is that coin market cap is now showing the reserves data for certain exchanges. Have I you seen that? this? Yeah, I saw this day. Yeah. so uh, I I went and sleofed a little bit on behalf of our viewers here. So uh, I'll let you make a guess of what you think the reserve amounts are for some of these exchanges. Hmm. So the first one, Qcoin, spelled K-U coin, Mm -hmm. uh, it does about $500 million in daily transactions. How much do you think
1: they have on reserve? 500 million in transactions? Um, I'd probably say 5 billion, maybe 10 times the daily volume. Uh, You're close, 2.5 billion. Okay. All right. So five,
0: yeah, five times. Five times the five daily times. transactions. Okay. And for people who aren't familiar, in reserves, meaning like they have money, you know, in cash or in other cryptocurrencies that they could use in case they have to... Yeah. Uh, you Liquid know, assets. Pay, yeah, pay people out. Yeah. Uh, all right, next one. Crypto.com. It does $265 million in
1: daily transactions. How much do you think it has in reserves? $165 million. Um I'm going to say 1 billion.
0: No, they're actually very responsible. 2.7 billion. Ooh. So they actually do have 10x. Okay. Yeah. Good so point. I like that. That's really nice. I I do have uh some of the CRO token, their native coin. So I was concerned about when all of this was coming out. I was like, oh my God, is is my crypto.com stuff at, at risk as well. And it yeah. sounds like it's uh pretty well funded. All right. And then this is our last one, the juggernaut, the big boys in the room, Binance.
1: Binance.
0: They do $14 billion in daily transactions. 14 billion
1: and wow. They're juggernauts. How much uh, do they have in reserves? I'm going to say 140 billion in reserves.
0: You're off by a little bit. They have $69 billion in reserves. Wow. So that's a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of money. And also to be clear, These reserves aren't in cash. They're not in U.S. dollars. They're uh, split between different cryptocurrencies that they hold. So you can look actually at CoinMarketCap, and it shows you the allocation. So you can see, uh, I think it was like crypto.com had like 18% of those reserves in Shiba Inu coin. So it's Mm -hmm. like some of them are at risk, you know, if one of these (laughs) fails. But at least they uh, are now being a little bit more transparent than they used to.
1: And I think that's great. And I think that's, um, you know, like you said, one of the good things to come out of this is, you know, companies and trading platforms are going to need to be more transparent if they're going to continue to be in business and be trusted. Because, I mean, there's already a lot of people saying, get your money off these exchanges, you know, decentralize, man, decentralize, (laughs) you know, and so... I think to, to maintain their business model, they're going to have to be very transparent. Otherwise people just aren't going to trust, you know, putting their coins there. And I don't, I don't hold coins there. Yeah. I I know that you are a skeptic and
0: it has paid off for you in this instance. Uh, I'm a little jealous.
1: You shouldn't be man. After that's all the mistakes the, uh, I've made on a daily basis. True, true. It, I am the better at clock is right twice a day. I,
0: I am better at in real life uh mistakes versus you, versus you're better at virtual mistakes. <laughs> <than me. laughs> I get
1: scammed online all the time. I'm I'm a sucker. Yeah, you're that guy. Yeah.
0: So um, that that's the news I have. Do you have any other news stories for us?
1: Uh yeah. Well, interesting one. So Apple is already working on a book deal to make a movie about Sam and FTX.
0: Oh, that was quite already. cool. Already.
1: Yeah, very fast. Um, Let's see here. Uh, Coinbase, record low right now. Down 80% year to date. Oh, you mean like the The shares? Yeah. Oh, that's good. I I might
0: pick up some Coinbase shares in that case because I really like, you know, I I listened to a podcast with Brian Armstrong on, uh, I believe it was How I Built This. And it was really interesting to hear his, his thought process of, you know, creating Coinbase, why mm-hmm. they did it, how they did it. Um, and I think that, you know, I like that they're a publicly traded company. They have a lot more regulation as mm-hmm. being a publicly traded company. So um, I might pick up a few of those shares.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm going to do the same. I mean, it, it was at a high of $429 April, 2021. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there you go. Um, let's see any other news see the investors are shorting Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, more than 50% of Bitcoin addresses are now in a loss. Oh, okay. Yeah. So most addresses holding Bitcoin now are in the red. This is the first time this has happened since the start of the crash in 2020. Mm-hmm. But previous bear markets have ended with the majority of addresses being in a loss. So this oh. could be a sign that maybe the bear market is subsiding hmm interesting i, like I don't that. take my word for it nice. not invest not investor advice <laughs>
0: nice any other
1: yeah. uh news before we jump No, that's it questions
0: No. Yeah. well I feel like uh, we should jump into these listener questions. And one of them actually is a perfect segue to what you just said. Mm -hmm. This question is from Sebastian. Sebastian would like to know, when do you think the bear market will end? So do you
1: think that we are near the end of the bear market? What's your thoughts there, Brian? Oh, man, that's a tough one. If, If Only if I knew, I think I would be a lot wealthier man. Um, I mean, I think you have to look at indicators like, you know, Bitcoin wallets wallets being in the red, but that's still not a determinant of what the future is going to bring. And based on the economic outlook that we're hearing, it's not going to be a great year, uh, especially for tech. I mean, you already see companies like Facebook um, laying out people. I think Amazon is next. Um, I forgot who else. I don't know. Um, Yeah, it's it's tough, man. I will say this. It will end. (laughs) okay yeah how about that for 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 sage advice um
0: if you you had to throw out a prediction there and it could be a broad one it could be zero to six months six months to a year you know like what's your kind of broad scope time all right i'll
1: tell you what i'll give you an exact day and month next year when the bear market will officially end and you can write this down listeners june 8th next year the bear market will end which is my birthday And that's my prediction.
0: I like it. I I hope that I can uh, give you one Ethereum for your birthday because Ethereum will be so low. (laughs) (laughs) You cheap
1: bastard. (laughs) What about you? Give me your prediction. Write it down.
0: So, so I've actually been reading quite a bit. Uh, like you mentioned about these indicators, I don't fully understand, honestly, a lot of the articles where they say, you know, the 2X minus the 5X equals 1X. And I'm like, oh, what What are they talking about? look at the about? demand curve. Yeah, demand <laughs> curve, supply curves, all sorts of curves. I don't understand all of it, but the stuff that I do understand in general has a consensus of we are not at the bottom. The bottom will come sometime next year and some of those predictions say in the first half of next year Mm -hmm. so your prediction of june 8th 2023 is kind of in line with what Mm -hmm. these uh these people are saying the way that i think that i'm gonna play this is i'm not going to try to get in ahead of everyone else i'm okay with being five minutes late to mm. the party. Right. So what I think I'm gonna do is I'm gonna wait, let it keep as long as it keeps going down and down, even if it goes up for a you know a week or two weeks, not gonna panic. I'm okay because crypto is so far down from where it used to be that once it rises twenty, twenty five percent and it looks like it's coming back, that's when I
1: think I'll jump in. So you're gonna follow the herd 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 um herd mentality.
0: I, I think so. I mean, I, I think hmm. that it's safe. It's safer to do that rather than I. I kind of get I. I get a little jumpy sometimes, Brian, and yeah, I, I will jump in a, a little too early, like when uh, Ethereum went from four thousand per ETH down to 3,000 per ETH. I was like, it's on sale. I told my wife, I was like, this is on sale. You got to buy some. She bought some. And mm-hmm. as we know, it dropped and she lost a lot.
1: Like you're buying a sale report Black Friday. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. So so I don't want to be too jumpy anymore. So I'm okay with being too late as opposed to being too early.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I'm, you know me, dollar cost averaging in, just putting money in, putting it in. Everything will be all right. Yeah, you should uh you should do that
0: with uh the Bogdan fund. Just keep giving me money, just keep yeah. giving me money. I don't, I don't trust the books on the <laughs> Bogdan. It'll, it'll come back. I don't, don't trust more. the management on that fund. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> our our
1: books were uh were lost recently in the flood. Yeah, I'm uh, sorry to tell you. Yeah, the great flood. <laughs> All right. Who's that? What other questions do we got?
0: Yeah, so thank you for that one, Sebastian. Yeah, our next best. question here is from Kayla. She would like to know, do you think you'll give up on crypto? if it continues to experience Mm. problems similar to this year. So I feel like she is saying, Hey guys, it's great to be positive and all, but what if this just keeps going on and just more and more
1: bad things keep happening? Where do you draw the line? Yeah, well, I'll draw the line when crypto gets banned worldwide (laughs) utterly and completely yeah no that's that's a that's a joke obviously um you know i think this is it's a tough time um to be in an emerging market just in general um you know there's a lot of things being figured out there's not there's a lot of uncertainty um you know it is the wild west it is the frontier and you know you would you would pack up your your covered wagon and you head out to the frontier and you never knew if you were going to starve live get ran over by a buffalo but you went out there because you saw something bigger something greater and i believe in this technology i believe in its applications i believe in the people who are building great products and so i don't think i'll ever give up on it i'll be one of those people you know yelling at my grandkids i remember when crypto was a thing and you know who knows (laughs) but uh yeah until i see um a, a reason that the technology will not have all the applications that it promises then maybe then but until then I'm, I'm i'm gonna stick around until the end i'll go down on the ship i like it you are claiming. you you yeah. are
0: diamond diamond hands you're gonna hold um, on forever. Yeah, yeah i'm
1: a hardcore man I'm, I'm a i'm a rock you know once <laughs> i once i put my mind into something it doesn't it doesn't move yeah brian is very same. hard guys let me tell you yeah brian rock solid hard. man yeah rock solid uh what about you I- man what's your what's your breaking point So
0: I always think of crypto as my alternative investment, right? So I typically just have my 401k running automatically. Sometimes I put money into stocks. And crypto is really like, I've kind of added more to its allocation over the years. So it used to be like, you know, uh, 3%. And now it's probably like 10 to 15%. And until I see a more promising alternative investment, I think I'll just stay with crypto, right? So when I look at other alternative investments that are high risk, high speculation, it's like, you know, baseball cards, art, <laughs> NFTs, you know, all yeah. this other stuff. Bonds. I well, now, even... You said high risk? High risk, yeah. Oh, yeah, high risk. Okay. Hi, high, high risk investments where you're just kind of like, oh, I'm just, you know, going to put this in believing that I might lose all of it. Um, I think as long as crypto is in that number one spot, I'll continue to support it. Even if it falls to like number two, you know, maybe uh, Beanie Babies come back and I'm like, oh, transferring some of this wealth back into these Beanie Babies. I didn't know they left. Oh, yeah. They, they left a while ago, Brian. I didn't, I'll send you some articles. All I hope that you money. Just for viewers who who don't realize, uh, Brian has about 100 Beanie Babies behind him. He's yeah, he's unaware of what has happened. Those are my retirement beans. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Yeah. So th- that's how I think of this is like, this isn't my retirement fund. This isn't going to, you know, make me a millionaire. Like it's just a, let's see what happens. I don't put lots of money into it. I think total lifetime, I might've put $10,000 or less into it. Mm. Um. So, you know, I- I'm going to stick with it.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I think. You know, when you when you ask questions like, will you give up on it and you got to understand that, you know, you should always have a diversified portfolio, you know what I mean? And so just because things are bad, doesn't you have to give up on it and just move all your money and just do something else, you know? And so I think, you know, the wise investor will spread the money around. Don't put it all in one basket, um, you know, put a thousand bucks in an SMB, S&P indexed fund every month and you're going to see growth year over year. You know, but is it exciting? No.
0: Is it? Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like crypto is exciting. There's community around it. We went to the consensus conference in Austin and that was a really fun time. So to me, the value of this isn't necessarily getting wealthy. It's like being part of the party, right? Yeah. I kind of missed out on web 1.0 and 2.0 because I was too young, you know, when all of that exciting stuff happens. And when I listen to these podcasts of people being like, oh, remember when dig was a thing? And I'm like, I don't remember, but it sounds (laughs) like it was so much fun, you know, like just having fun with like being part of this experiment, this new tech.
1: Yeah. And I mean, even though that we're we are. Kind of late to the party, if you talk to some de who were you know talking about Bitcoin ten years ago, but I still feel like you know with the the percentage of adoption you know obviously it's it's grown, but it's still at like, what like ten percent maybe less oh it's super small
0: it, it, we we aren't even i don't think even a hundred million people,
1: yeah exactly
0: it. it's something like i i don't know the exact figure but i think it's like even like 5 million or
1: 1 million yeah.
0: people use it exactly so
1: you know hey we're still on the tip of the spear you know, like you said part of something a part of a community part of a movement and you know for once i don't feel like i'm showing up 10 years late to the party you know with the, with a six pack of, of wine coolers <laughs> yes you know so and um you know as you know we work in tech and you know as a designer i still want to maybe design like a web three product or, or try to do something related to that, to that scene or work in it and just be one of those people who, who can, you know, capitalize on this, on this new technology. So for me, uh, I'm in, I'm sold. I'm, 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 I'm knee deep. Yeah. I mean, divested. I, I have met so many interesting people via crypto. Um,
0: Like just this week, I was actually on a zoom call with this guy from Serbia who was telling me about his NFT project and like, we we met because we have this like love of this like new art form, this new like uh, ability to tell stories. So I never would have met this guy who is in Serbia with his entire team.
1: He's yeah. like the CEO of this thing, has some funding. Um, yeah, it's it's been really interesting. Yeah, it's it's almost like a like a secret handshake. Um, I was actually on a call with uh, this other um, designer I'm working with, and uh, he we sorry, I don't know we talked started talking about his crypto project that he's working on and i was like oh you're into crypto i was like oh yeah you know and, and i told him hey come on to the podcast because he's working on uh, like a crypto project that's i'm not going to get the details but it sounded pretty cool and he's got he's working with somebody who's uh, pretty well known in the in the community so yeah it's just you know when you are cuban no not mark cuban but you know you meet somebody and then you like you maybe like hey, you like crypto you kind of whisper it you know and then all of a sudden you're like <laughs> hey you know, you know yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's um yeah it's, it's fun to be part of the club
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So thank you, uh, Kayla and Sebastian, for asking those questions. If you guys have questions you want to submit to the podcast, remember you can send them to questions at cryptosafari.us. That is our email address, and we will get to them on the next episode. So with that, let's jump into our two tokens for this week. So before we jump in, the way that we evaluate any token is with our system called PTAC plus T. That stands for Purpose, Team, Advantage, Community, and Tokenomics. Yeah. So uh, that's how we evaluate every cryptocurrency on the podcast here. And uh, since you went first last time, Brian, oh. I'd be happy to go first if you'd like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you go first? And uh, well, well, tell me what you're doing first. <laughs> we didn't talk about our, our, our projects today. So we Yo. we might be covering the
0: same one. Let's find out. Uh, so for my cryptocurrency this week that I'm bringing to viewers, this one actually came recommended to me from a in real life event. So I went to a NFT mixer in uh, downtown San Francisco in mm-hmm. the Soma district. It was a mixer that was before the NFT SF conference. And I started talking to this developer. And I asked him, you know, he was talking to me about what I was interested in. I told him like, oh, some NFT stuff. I do the crypto podcast. And I asked him, you might be a good person to ask this, but what is your favorite programming language Mm. in Web3? Because I've read about these different programming languages like, oh, Solidity is better than Rust. Rust is better than Solidity. This one, you know, but I'm not a programmer by trade. So Mm -hmm. I asked him this and he said, well, you know, Solidity is good. Rust is good. But there's this other one that is called Move. Move. And he says that it is very easy, very user friendly. And he's been learning it lately. And it's really good. And I said, oh, how can I find out more about this? And he said, look up the cryptocurrency
1: Aptos. Hmm. Have you heard about this? I've heard of Aptos. Um, but I've not I don't know much about it. It's also a town outside of Santa Cruz. It is lovely town. Yeah, very lovely. Uh but yeah, anyway, okay, that's not what I'm doing today. So you're you're good. <laughs> Tell me Excellent. more. You're, you're about
0: to learn about Aptos, everybody. So the purpose of Aptos is to bring mainstream adoption to Web3. That's kind of their thing. Uh, and it's also really dedicated to making it easier for developers to build on Web3. Mm. So we've talked about this in the past, that usually it's not where the most users go that makes a thing take off. It's usually where the most developers go. Because those developers, if you make their lives easier, they will build on your platform. And that in turn attracts the users over time.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: So uh, the team behind Aptos, uh, it was actually founded by former Meta blockchain engineers. So these guys worked on Meta's Diem blockchain. If you remember when uh, Facebook tried to launch their own blockchain oh, yeah. cryptocurrency and it didn't really, no yeah, one was worrying.
1: yeah No one cared. Yeah. But these guys
0: uh, worked there. They were the engineers on that project, and they decided to spin it off because the actual technology behind it was really good. So it's these two guys. The first guy's name is Mo Shake. Uh, Last name is spelled S-H-A-I-K-H. Mm-hmm. Hopefully I pronounced that somewhat correct. Uh, he's the CEO. He has years of multi-financial services experience, and he actually specializes in scaling products. so that's good Mm -hmm. uh the other guy is avery ching uh last name c-h-i-n-g he is the cto and he's actually one of the principal engineers at meta so Hmm. if you become a principal engineer at meta you're pretty talented
1: yeah yeah you know your shit
0: yeah. uh, Something that I'm going to dig into more going forward because of this whole FTX thing is I really want to pay more attention to the investors and also how the equity is split on these projects. So mm-hmm. I, I dug a little bit deeper on the investors here. So this project had a $200 million seed round from Andreessen Horowitz. Mm-hmm one of, if not the biggest venture capital firm here in Silicon Valley. Uh, FTX Ventures uh, invested $150 million. So uh, good that <laughs> they got that money before they went under. Yeah, uh, Binance Labs also invested an undisclosed amount, but it was at a $4 billion valuation in September. And here's where things... Where, where things get better in terms of what, what I am looking for, all of these investors have a four year vesting schedule, meaning when mm-hmm. they put that money in, they don't immediately get tokens or a payout out. Uh, it happens over the next four years. So they can't, you know, put money in, make a quick flip, all of that. They're invested for at least four years.
1: Yeah, we actually talked about that really early on in the podcast about how that's something to look for. Because um, if the schedule is, you know, different or shorter, that means that as soon as they can, they might dump all their crypto and then you'll lose money. So very important metric. Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, The other thing that I really liked about Aptos is that despite having all these millions of dollars in funding, they actually didn't launch their mainnet, meaning their token, until October of this year, mm. a.k.a. just a few weeks ago. Oh, very slow methodical. Yeah. So I like that, uh, you know, they're not rushing to put stuff out there. They're being, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like the old school. It's almost like Web 2 where, like, you actually build for a long time in stealth and then eventually you, <laughs> you launch as opposed to let's launch and figure out how to build it.
1: Yeah. I mean, that still happens. Uh, You know, you've heard of the term vaporware, where you have a kind of an idea that it's not really fully fleshed out and workable, but you still raise money and promote it as if, if it's done done deal, but anyway, go on.
0: Yeah. I've never heard that term actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So those are the investors and the founders in terms of advantage. This is where Aptos gets really interesting. So it's built on the move programming language. Uh, this is a Rust-based language that was developed by Meta, uh, but it's actually a lot easier to build, both according to this engineer that I actually met, who's actually building on it, and according to the internet. Um, one thing that's interesting about Aptos is that most blockchains process their uh, transactions sequentially. So if there's a fault in one transaction, or if there's high demand, it can actually hold up the entire blockchain Well, that's being resolved. Mm. So almost like a bottleneck. Uh, Aptos actually processes transactions simultaneously and validates them all afterwards. So that's kind of their claim to fame. Um, Mm. Failed transactions are either re-executed, they're put back into the uh, order, or they're aborted. And it also has these things called transactional memory libraries, which spot and manage conflicts uh, on the blockchain automatically. All that to say, Aptos can process up to hundred fifty thousand transactions per second in theory. In theory, yes. in theory, right? It hasn't been tested yet. It's similar to how Solana can, in theory, process forty thousand transactions per second. Um, but it hasn't really ever reached 40,000 transactions per mm-hmm. second, but the technology is there. So this is even, what, 3, 4x almost uh, faster than Solana, which is also considered a very fast yeah. uh, cryptocurrency. Some people even say that Aptos might take down Solana, might beat <laughs> Solana.
1: Really? Well, and also you can test uh, those transactions per second. There's a ways to test that. And so I think if they say that, they're pretty confident.
0: Yeah. 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 So uh, just for context here, Solana is 40,000 transactions, but a blockchain like Ethereum is 12 to 15 per second. That's not 12 (laughs) to 15,000, folks. That's 12 to 15 per second. Yeah, That's why gas fees are high. Yes, exactly. Um, Some other things that are interesting about it is that it also has native sharding. Well, that's important. Yes. We talked about sharding on a previous episode. If you guys are um, interested in that, Uh, it also has this thing, which I don't understand what it is, but I'll just mention it for all the tech savvy (laughs) people here. It has horizontal throughput scalability.
1: Oh, yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, it's better than
1: vertical, let's tell you that.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, So it has a lot going for it in terms of speed, ease of use, nice programming language. In terms of community, it has, get this, Brian, mm-hmm. 155,000 members on Discord. 150,000? 150, 155,000 members on Discord. That's a good amount. That's a lot. For a cryptocurrency, that yeah. is a lot. All right.
1: That's impressive. impressive.
0: Yeah. Um, through its uh, testnet, which is basically before they launched their token, you know, they let people come in as beta partners, stuff like that. Uh, it already onboarded over 100 projects into the ecosystem. Okay. So that's really promising. That is promising. And then- the other thing which I also wanted to look into, you know, kind of for security and and feeling better about this uh, project is the token distribution. So mm-hmm. 51% of the tokens are for the community, mm-hmm. 19% are for contributors, 16% are for the foundation, and only 13% are for the investors. Okay. So that also kind of gives me a positive signal of, okay, like they're not, you know, gonna pump and dump type of thing. Yeah. Uh, Lastly, in terms of tokenomics, so we have a 585 million market cap, which in this market is pretty dang impressive. Uh, Market rank is number 65. Okay. Top 100. 100, Yep. Uh, Circulating supply is 130 million and the total supply is 1 billion. So not even many that many tokens are uh in circulation so far. 1 billion? Yeah, 1 billion. Okay, yeah. total supply. Uh all-time high was $10. All-time low was $3.60 and we are currently at $4.50 for the price.
1: All right. Yeah. All right. So, so that's that, been pretty good this year then.
0: Yeah, well they just launched. I mean, they launched an yeah. operator, right. okay. yeah. which was right. literally right. last month. So they are getting a lot of headlines right now, despite the bear market. If you look them up, if you look up Aptos Crypto, the first news stories that come out are is this the Solana killer? Is this gonna replace oh. Solana? So as a Solana fanboy, I am open to saying, Hey, if this is the better <laughs> token, like all right, I'm <laughs> gonna kill <laughs> it
1: away. Yeah okay aptos let's make a note of that there you go what oh. do you have for us brian oh that's a good one man um i'm gonna actually i'm gonna look into it and maybe I'll, I'll pick up a little aptos there you go it's always yeah. good
0: to have a little aptos that's, that's what, what i
1: I, I, I agree do you know what that means it sounds greek now we have a town named after it I Is do it? not know. I did not do
0: etymological research, Brian. I, I apologize on on behalf of the viewers. I am so
1: sorry. That's to be part of the PTAC. <laughs> <laughs> Etymology. Exactly. Where does this name come from? If it's a stupid name that comes from nowhere, don't put money in. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I got a good one too, man. And it's all. It kind of, uh, it's similar to, well... It's similar in a way, but also I I see this trend where a lot of projects are talking about, um, you know, making building on Web3 easier. How can we make this? How can we be part of this infrastructure? So there's a lot of uh, projects that are set up around this idea of being a core part of the Web3 tech stack. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And so I think that's very smart. Uh, You know, if there's people got rich in the gold rush, not from finding gold, the people got rich, sold people, the shovels who are looking for gold. And so we're starting to see a lot of projects that are essentially the the shovel sellers. What do people need to build? Because that's where the money is. And so um, the one I'm doing today, it falls in line with that. And it's actually, it's pretty cool. I'm not going to, you know, say it's a big deal, but it kind of is a big deal. (laughs) So... Uh, i'm i'm doing something today called the graph the graph the graph you know you're official when you have the exact name yeah this is not just one word like share you know this is <laughs> the graph you know and uh, it's a grt is the token and uh, so this is actually a pretty heady one i'm going to try to really distill this down into something manageable um kind of like you know yours is, is pretty techy this is pretty techy but it's just if for me it makes sense okay so let me start off with what they uh, describe them as so the graph is an indexing protocol for querying blockchain data on networks and for networks like ethereum and ipfs powering many applications in both defi and the broader web3 ecosystem Oh, I love it's it's just jargon galore. Jargon jargon <laughs> jargon. Yes. So, let me let me put it to you in a simple term that you'll understand. Some people are calling this the Google of blockchains. Oh. That's nice. See? Very simple. See? Very simple, palatable, goes down easy. And so, let's let's just kind of take a step back here. So, they talked about indexing, right? So indexing, for people who don't know, it's a way to, it's a, it's a process that's used to shorten the time to find a particular piece of information. That's what Google does. They index things. Um, it's like a book. If you look at the index in a book, you know what's in it. You go from the index to the chapter. Boom. Okay. So it, previously and currently searches on um, for transactions, let's say on the Ethereum blockchain, you would have to start with block one you look for the transactions. It's not there. You go to block two, you look for the transactions. Oh God. It's linear. And it takes forever. Really bad, really bad system. So that's just the state of things right now. And so companies like Etherscan, which you've heard of, yep. that are basically, you know, blockchain data uh, databases, they're called blockchain explorers. So they created their own service for reading information on the blockchain and storing it on their database. Right. Um, but this process relies on trust in Etherscan, which is centralization. And what is Web3 about? Decentralization, right? Mm-hmm. So we needed something that would be able to be trusted, store data, query data, index data that's decentralized. And so that's where the graph comes in. Okay. Um, some companies built their own APIs to do this. And an API stands for application um, program interface. We can talk about that later. Um, but. The graph is a completely decentralized indexing querying database for all blockchain transactions. And it's an API, which means anybody can use it. Very cool. So that's, that's, yeah. Right. So that, that's the table I set. So let's get into, um, you know, the first course. Um, So we talked about API. It's basically, uh, it's a fancy word for a program that does something that you don't need to know what the code actually is doing. It just does it and it works. I always think of API as a way to tap into another program.
0: Is that, is that a correct way of thinking of it? I mean,
1: APIs do a lot of different things, but essentially that's what it is. It's just a way for two programs to talk to each other. It's like Mm -hmm. a translator. It's an intermediary, but it could be anything. Um, You know, for example, LinkedIn has an API, but Mm -hmm. it's closed, which means you can't access all their data, but they have an API that pulls in all of their information into one place, whether it be business information, personal information, you know all that stuff. So every company uses them, and it's a big business. Um I talk to API people on a on a weekly basis. I bumped into an API person at the grocery store. they're all over, and you wouldn't yeah. know by looking at them. Yeah, well, um, they
0: have that tattoo on the back of their head the the
1: the barcode, the barcode, yeah. <laughs> yep, yeah, you're right. And so uh, the graph created um, something called subgraphs, which is just an open API that developers can create to query data. Um, for example, Uniswap uses a subgraph for their application. Um, let's see who else. Crunchbase, LinkedIn, they all use APIs, but the Uniswap right now is using it. So prior, among others, but prior to the graph, uh, developers had like centralized databases that they had to um, fire up to basically bring this information in. It was all super time-consuming, a lot of problems, a lot of failures, bad, bad system, right? So the graph team developed um, a a proprietary indexing servers that helps engineers get this data faster in a decentralized way. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. So also another thing cool about this is these subgraphs can be created and basically they can graph all of the world's information as well. It can just doesn't have to be just blockchain data. It can be anything.
0: Oh, that's cool.
1: Right. So that's where the, the kind of the Google of, of uh, blockchains comes in. So the, they're right now that people are using it to query transactions and blockchains, but it could be used for anything. I could query Brian. Good luck with that. I'm an enigma. <laughs> um, okay. So I'm kind of going all over the place. I got a lot of notes here and I kind of, uh, it, it, there's a lot, a lot to talk about, but I'm going to try to try to narr- try to skin it down. Uh, so let's talk about the team real quick, and then we'll get into some of the advantages, and that might make things a little bit more clear. Uh, so the graph team includes professionals from the Ethereum Foundation, Open Zeppelin, Decentraland, Orchid, and MuleSoft.
0: Oh, okay, I actually know MuleSoft, Decentraland, yeah. and Ethereum Foundation.
1: Big names. Uh, MuleSoft was actually bought by Salesforce yeah yeah they're they're a big company. yeah, they were an API uh, creator. And so also Puppet, Red Hat, and Barclays are people are companies that the team is comprised of. And so these guys got frustrated with the tools um, for developing on Ether, and then they created this new company. so so all the founders uh, had, well, some of the founders have engineering backgrounds. Um, they've worked together for years, so they know each other. Um, two of the founders studied engineering at USC. And they both worked together at MuleSoft, which is an API development company, before it was sold to Salesforce. Cool. So they know the API business and they're engineers. So it's a good deal. Um, so as I mentioned, so the advantage, right? So part of the, uh, the graph, developers had to spin up centralized servers and databases to house in order to index query blockchain data. Sorry, in-house, excuse me. Hmm. Databases in house to order uh, in order to index and query blockchain data. So everybody had to do this on their own, uh, a lot of redundancy, not very efficient, right? Um, so right now they're making it easier for these developers to interact with blockchains by letting them, d- them create the graphs and then subgraphs. And so this way developers can focus more on UX, UI than having to worry about backend infrastructure for each application. Yeah, and you like UX UI. I do. I do. And so their advantage is they're working to bring a reliable, decentralized public infrastructure to the mainstream market. Nice. Yeah. No, what? no small feat. So so those that's
0: team and advantage?
1: Yeah. So this is the advantage. Um, and so right now one of the advantages is they are used by developers for d apps like Uniswap synthetics, which we talked about. Um Aragon, Ave, Gnosis, Bilancer, Live Peer, and Dow Stack, Decentraland, and many others. Nice. I i know Ave has of mm-hmm. all of those. <laughs> Synthetics. I, we, I talked about that one Synthetic. on the show. Yeah. We had a good episode. Um, so one of the other advantages right now, uh, the usage of graph has been growing at over 50% month over month. Mm. And hit over seven billion queries during the month of September 2020. That's a lot of queries. Seven billion queries. Yeah, that's awesome. So big numbers. Uh, so as far as the community goes, so there's over six thousand developers actively using the graph, who have built over three thousand four hundred subgraphs, which are open APIs mm-hmm. for hundreds of applications. Mm-hmm. Additionally, over two hundred and ten indexes from fifty four countries have deployed nodes in the test net, and over two thousand creators have signed up in the test net. Nice. so so, so uh, one
0: question that I have yeah. is what do you need the the token for? So do you buy the token in order to use the graph or
1: why would I uh, you know need this GRT token? Yeah, that's a good question. We are just getting right to that. So the GRT token, is it's going to be an ERC-20. So it's an Ethereum blockchain token. It's used to allocate resources in the network. Mm. So active indexers, curators, delegators can earn income from the network proportional to the amount of work they perform and their GRT stake. So mm. it's, this is decentralized. Everybody's working to help create this index, create cur- queries, create... Uh, sub graphs indexes so everybody's working and if you're in part of that network then you get paid in the grt some of it's locked up you can earn money that way and where does where does the where do people so those are the people
0: who get paid in grt where does that grt come from do people have to buy it in order to do
1: queries and stuff um no so the indexers get rewards right and they charge query fees. Ah, okay. Yeah, and so I'm... there's fees for the queries.
0: Okay, so I pay my fees in GRT and then that GRT is given to the people who hold the database up.
1: Right, so let's say, let's say I have a blockchain product and I want to use their API to pull in information about all the transactions on the Ethereum blockchain. So I would give them a certain amount of money in GRT and I get that information, they get to keep it for... Um, processing the queries.
0: Okay, got it. Yep.
1: yep. And so that's that's the community. Um in terms of tokenomics, it's ranked number 74. Market cap 625 million. Nice. So, you know, we're in there. Um volume in, in trading 67 million up 300% this week. Wow. What why, why yeah. such a big uh, spike this week? They're trending. They were one of the top gainers, the top five gainers on coin market cap. So I'm not sure exactly what the catalyst was. You know, sometimes I like to go to the top gainers and see, you know, see who's up there. And so they were um, part of that top five group. So was it that uh, Taylor Swift uh, tweeted about them, or did she tweet about something? <laughs> I <else>? hope not. <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure it was something else. Uh, circulating supply is 6.9 billion. Uh, current price is at six cents okay what's okay. all-time high and all-time, all-time high, high is two dollars and 88 cents okay
0: no data for all-time low oh interesting so we are potentially at an all-time low <laughs> i mean how how much lower can you go
1: well we'll have to see but um you know they're were, they were the top one of the top gainers so they must have been pretty low but you know and today like the top gainer is like up like 15 percent in a week and you're like you know, <laughs> celebrating, you're having parties. Yeah, so it, it's a pretty low bar right now. So I'm not really sure exactly what happened to get them to that uh, that point. But, you know, if this is the net, the Google of blockchain and this is something that's going to be part of the Web3 infrastructure, like a core part, I don't know. It could be a big deal. I purchased some today after reading this. We'll see what happens.
0: I like it. I like it. Yeah. I, I mean, it's always, and, and this goes back to the question uh from our listeners um which is like you know are you giving up on crypto why are you not giving up on crypto and similar to this like learning about the graph i would probably purchase some of the graph but not i'm not putting my life savings in this thing or like significant amounts of money right i'll pick up two or three hundred dollars imagine buying two or three hundred dollars of google stock when it was first coming out you exactly. still make great money, even though you're not putting up that much money. Exactly.
1: Um, and that's the way I see it right now is like, you know, we, we talk about these projects. They seem like really great ideas. Why not put a little bit of money in and see what happens?
0: Yeah, and yeah. it's okay.
1: I, I think we tend to get down on ourselves when
0: we miss opportunities, right? It's like, oh, you know, like, if I had put $10,000 in this, I'd be a millionaire right now. And it's like, yeah, but you can't really think that way because you could have also lost your $10,000 completely, right? Yeah. That'd be a huge bummer. So, but if you put in $300 and it turns into $3,000, like, hey, celebration, let's go to Vegas.
1: Yeah. And also like, I like putting money into things that are kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it seems like a great idea. Why not put a little bit of cash in there? Not enough to like break you you know there's (laughs) gonna be be gravy on my turkey this year exactly
0: exactly speaking of turkey we should uh head out because we've got thanksgiving tomorrow and uh i i have to actually cook some turkey for uh for my uh people your people yeah okay you mean your pets uh yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for for bringing that to our attention, Brian. Um, If you guys have any questions about either of the cryptocurrencies we covered today or about any of the news we covered today, remember you can always ask your questions at questions at cryptosafari.us and we will answer them on the next podcast. So until then, uh, may your Aptos be programmable and Hmm. your... (laughs) <laughs> and your uh graph be queryable quick query queryable que- all, all right, right till next time guys